You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Brian Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So we've got kind of a lot to talk about today. There's a lot of things that got thrown at me. Um, some other things I just did kind of for fun. Um, and that all kind of converges into today. The number one thing, and it's there's nothing that's going to make me more upset and just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess largely I just feel bad. I crossed the episode 1000 mark. That's a good amount of experience doing this stuff. It's enough experience that I shouldn't be making really stupid mistakes. For some reason, and I don't know exactly how this happened, I told everybody that the franchise tag for a running back was $8 million. It is $11.1 million. So we're going to keep what I said yesterday in the realm of theory. right? If, if he wants 15 if a guy wants a lot of money and the tag is a lot less than he's worth... It's, it's insulting and could cause some problems, and it doesn't necessarily change the dynamic entirely, but I want to talk about that. But, I, you know, my bad. It's just, you know, I spent half the entire episode talking about $8 million tag, and it just makes me sick. Now, the franchise tag is $8.9 million. Maybe I saw that and got stuck in my head. I know somebody reached out, like I said, and they said, hey, Corey, you know, center's eight and running back's eight. But I feel like even at that point in time, I thought, no, 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 running back is eight, but I think center is. So I, I don't know. I don't know how, but it's one of those things where you get wrong information in your head, and it just sticks there, and it stays there. And I think the $8 million for running back, that when the guy sent me that message, that just solidified that. Kind of like, you know, the episode of The Office where Dwight thinks it's uh, Friday and tomorrow's Saturday, but it's actually Thursday. So Jim spends the whole day like telling him things that would make him believe that it's Friday so that he doesn't show up on Friday, on the real Friday. It was something like that. I don't know how 8 got in my head to begin with, but whatever. So sorry to all of you for seemingly misleading you. I, You know, this is the information that I can see here. Over the cap has this information. Again, offensive line, which would include tackle, guard, and center, is $14.5 million, running back 11.1. The transition tag, which, I mean, nobody ever uses it, so I don't, like I said, I have to re-look things up every time to get all the details. I'm not going to do that um, because, again, I just I don't remember anybody ever getting a transition tag. I'm sure it happens. I just it doesn't happen, and nobody even talks about it. But somebody will probably throw a question at me, and we'll have to look at it tomorrow. Anyways, if we very quickly transition to the new number of 11.1 million dollars, it either moves us closer or further away to franchise tagging. Aaron Jones, depending on, because again, I don't know, that was my theory, so depending on how you feel about what I said yesterday, that moves us closer or further. What I mean by that is, 
$8 million is obviously a lot less money. If you are in the, it's all about business realm. In other words, forget your feelings. This is business. Not worried about the stupid locker room. I don't think, you know, that's an overblown theory. Then we just got quite a bit further away because $8 million would be a no-brainer for a $15 million running back. $12 million is not a no-brainer. We're in the realm of, it's still a bargain for Aaron Jones based on his value. However, $12 million for a running back period, not the best investment as we've seen through history. If, however, you're on the side of the fact that I made somewhat of a compelling argument yesterday that $8 million would be too um, offensive, this puts us closer in the realm of something that's possible. Now, it's still not going to be what Aaron Jones wants. If he can get 15 and we're going to lock him in for 11, that's still not great. However, we offered him supposedly, I think like $12.5 million. I don't know if we ever got an official number, but it was kind of a, you know, they offered him between 12 and $13 million. Like, okay, so we'll call it 12 and a half or something to that effect. Now we're kind of getting in the realm of, uh, you know, I offered you 12 and a half and I'd like you to take that gracefully. If you're not willing to take that, then we're just going to franchise tag you. Because, it, you know, again, it, it falls into the um, it's reasonable category as well as if we're willing to pay 12-ish, then 11-ish should be reasonable. Um, and you might ask, well, why in the world would um, Aaron Jones not accept that? I mean, accept the Packers' offer of $12 million because that's more than $11 million. So th- there's no reason why he would sign a franchise tag of 11. Essentially, it's, it's a case of being defiant. I'm not signing 12. I'm not signing 13 because I'm worth 15. I'm going to go out in the free free agent market and make my money. If you choose to slap this tag on me, there's nothing I can really do about it. I mean, you know, I, I can get super defiant and not sign the tag and just sit out the year, but I don't know if you would do that. But the point is, look, I'll sign it, and then next year I'm going to get paid. Obviously, that's... It, there's, there's risk there, too, which is why the Packers would be putting them in a pretty tenuous situation. It's not as bad as eight. But it's still a tough situation because you don't know what's going to happen. Your play could fall off, injury could crop up, whatever. So you'd be tempted to take the $12 million a year offer at that point. But from the standpoint of if you're his agent, what would you advise him to do? Write out the tag, play well. Hopefully, you know, you kind of hope they lean on A.J. Dillon a little bit so that you don't, you know, put too much wear and tear on your tires. There's no injuries that crop up. You know, play limited snaps, play really, really well. And we'll we'll get you paid next year. So I don't know. I I don't. I I still think it's it's not going to happen. Um, technically, for the same reason I said it doesn't sound good for Corey Lindsley yesterday, which as the reports came out, and I don't know if this is a report in terms of there's a source involved, or if it's a report based on the information I said yesterday, which is you know just taking information for what it is. And what I said yesterday was they have not, I've not heard a single word about negotiating with Corey Lindsley. You know, they, they wanted David Bakhtiari. They paid him last year. And there were talks about it all the time. You know, they're, they're in negotiation. They're talking about it. Not a single word, not a peep. And so, um, you know, based on that result or that uh, report or that information, Tom Silverstein came out and basically said, look, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Again, I, I, I don't know if there was more to that story, but that's, that's the crux of it. The Packers aren't even talking to him. And so if we're going to look at it from that standpoint, it sounds to me Aaron Jones would also be gone because they were talking. The Packers walked away from the table. And now all the news that you hear is other teams 
really interested and how his his market is heating up. That's probably based on the fact that the Packers are are you know away from the table. That's not an option anymore. I don't know that, but again, reading the tea leaves the same way I did for Corey, which within you know twelve hours came out to be the thing. It's 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 leading me to believe that uh, Aaron Jones is not really an option anymore. Doesn't have to be, but again, we we heard about talks. We heard about they're actually negotiating. The Packers are making offers. They're at the table, and we heard the Packers walked away. And I have not heard a peep since. Maybe I missed it. I have not heard a peep since. So yes, for those that uh, kind of just blasted into that news, if you didn't hear, um, that is the report. And and again, let me just let me look at it real quick. I don't have a lot of time, but let me skim it to see if there's anything more substantive than they haven't talked. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not even going to go any further than this. Um, the article at Packers Wire via Zach Cruz paints it this way, and I'm, I'm going to just stand on that. It says, according to Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated, the Packers and All-Pro Corey Lindsley haven't had any contact since the end of the season, driving home the expectation that Lindsley, a starter at center for the Packers over the last seven seasons, will move on during free agency. So we don't really have any new information than what I said yesterday, right? Other than everybody trusts Bill Huber as an insider more than they trust the Pack Daddy as an insider. When Bill Huber says something over at Sports Illustrated, it goes across the world that this is what it is. But the fact of the matter is we all have that information, and we all have made decisions and understandings based on that information. So you don't have to change your mind. If you think that not hearing anything doesn't mean that they're not going to sign them, then you can continue believing that because there's no new information other than they haven't really talked. However, that is pretty. that is a big deal. When he is an all-pro football player and we are coming up to the start of free agency and you haven't even picked up the phone, there's almost no way in the world that I can see that you're making a serious effort to re-sign him. Almost no way. So um, I'm not a fan of that. I get it. I mean, he's going to cost a lot of money and the Packers don't feel they need to do it. They have football players that they think can handle it. I mean, there's a reason centers get paid less. I've always said um, granted, this was an outlier season where, where Corey Lindsley was above and beyond, but I've always said, just looking at PFF, for example, you don't really see... Let me let me look at it real quick just to get a... see if it'll spark a, an intelligent way to say this. There's, there's generally a, a cluster um, from, you know, nobody's really terrible. I shouldn't say nobody, but you've got starting at average... There are 32. So there are 32 capable, and some of these guys didn't play as many snaps, but whatever. 32 centers that are decent football players. The best center in football was an 89.9, Corey Lindsley, and that was his best year by a mile. So generally, centers are not super, super elite players, and um, generally, centers are also not super, super terrible players. Leading me to believe, and I've been saying this for a while, you can find centers. Maybe they're not going to be 2020 version of Corey Lindsley, but for the record, Corey Lindsley has never been the 2020 version of Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley has never, let me look at this here, he has never even once had an 80 overall grade. 76, 79, 76, 67, 78, 73, 86. Um, also, if you look at it, a lot of these games for him were clustered kind of in the beginning. The last three games, he didn't grade out well at all. So, you know, from a realistic standpoint, Corey Lindsley was an all-pro center. Just like, and this is an, an unfair advantage, but to give you an understanding, the year before we signed Nick Perry, 
he was basically an all-pro edge I mean, he wasn't, but he was a very, very good pass rusher. That one year he was in a contract year, we signed him, and he went straight in the tubes. This was a massive breakout year. There's no guarantee that he's going to stay that high. Now, he might. There's every reason to believe that it's the Matt LaFleur offense. He's just really, really, you know, in the groove, whatever. But we're talking long-term. I think you look at him from the standpoint of, you know, the centers are only worth so much. And they're probably looking him closer to the mid seventy, high seventy range than the mid eighty range because again, almost no the next the second highest graded center was an eighty, so just getting to eighty is very rare for a center because it just I don't I mean I, I don't know why but again it just seems to be one of these things where you can pick up a guy and they can handle their business there, so are you willing to risk it that Corey Lindsley will stay this way? For a very long time, because he would have to. He would have to stay at the 2020 version of Corey Lindsley for the foreseeable future, and he has two massive things working against him. Number one, the fact that he's never been this way before, so you have a regression to the mean working against you, which is basically just falling back to what you are normally. And you've got age working against you. He's, he's going to be 30. He's 29 and a half right now. So again, I don't like it largely from a depth standpoint, and, and clearly the offensive line is going to regress um, even if Corey Lindsley is only the you know 75 overall grade version of himself, we're still going to regress. Um, how exactly the offensive line shakes up is kind of up in the air, and I don't want to super go over that today because I have a plan of kind of looking more into that tomorrow. Because if we assume Corey is gone, and if we also have to look at, which is something I haven't considered before, David Bakhtiari is not going to be starting the season with us. Due to his injury, he may not start, some people are thinking, until October-ish, which obviously sucks a lot. We're in a bit of, of trouble, and um, it, it further, um, I mean, it, it just makes it much more likely that the Packers are going tackle. And, and again, they're not going to reach if it's too much of a reach, but the Packers are very willing to trade up, and so I feel like they're going to put themselves in a position to get a tackle, whether that means trading up to get one, uh, allowing one to fall to them, or possibly even trading back to get a better value at where a tackle would be sitting. But you think about how massively helpful that could be if you draft a tackle, um, you know, and if he's good enough, you try him out at left tackle, keep Billy Turner at right tackle. Um, maybe you move Billy Turner to left tackle because you trust him more. You put the new tackle at right tackle, and uh, you hope things work out well enough so that when Bakhti, or, yeah, when David Bakhtiari comes back, you keep the new tackle a tackle. You kick Billy Turner inside. You have Elton Jenkins inside. And we've got one other guy, whether it's Patrick or whoever, that's going to be inside. Um, and, and again, this is why I don't know that tackle is the only need. I think taking several swings at offensive line would make sense. And, and you know, I it's not dire from the standpoint of the Packers can't survive. Lots of teams are today. If the Packers do nothing else other than let everybody walk, they still have a better football team than most of the teams in the NFL. They still have the best left tackle in football. They still have Elton Jenkins, who's a very good football player. You still have Billy Turner, who's at least a decent football player. You know, you've got some teams that they really don't have elite offensive linemen, and some of the offensive linemen they have are really, really terrible. Um, but again, I, I, I don't think the Packers are ignorant of the fact that a lot of the success of the season came from the play of the offensive line. I mean, if we just very simply look at uh, Aaron Rodgers' grades, 
Aaron Rodgers' grade with no pressure is a 98. Aaron Rodgers' grade under pressure was a 67. Aaron Rodgers was basically perfect with no pressure. If you view a quarterback as basically a blend of their um, no pressure grade and under pressure grade, and the blender turns based on how much pressure you have, obviously with getting less pressure, you're going to be closer to the 98 than the 67. If you turn up the pressure, we go closer to 67 than 98, meaning his grade can fall drastically. He can go from a a 92 overall football player, whatever he was, 95.8 I think is what it is, down to a 75 real fast if there's just a ton of pressure all of a sudden. And, and granted, some of that has to do with the speed of the offense, getting the ball out quickly, Aaron Rodgers being willing to, you know, diagnose and, and, you know, maybe getting another wide receiver could possibly help. Not as much as an offensive lineman would help, but getting another re- wide receiver that's going to get open quickly could possibly help. Getting a Rondale Moore who can kind of get open real quick, getting a Kadarius Tony that you could dump the ball off to that can make moves after he gets the ball in his hands, whatever, it, it'll help. I would like to just build up the offensive line so it doesn't have to be that every play. Certainly not opposed to it as an option. I would just, that's not option 1A for me. Anyways, I've got two big things that I've worked on. Um, One of them is just more for fun. One is a little bit more serious, I guess. Just kind of general insights and whatnot. And then a tad of draft stuff. And I want to kind of, you know, this is is the end of what I have to say in this topic. So we're going to take a break. Um... I got a big, massive shout-out to Mark Clays. Thank you for your donation via Venmo. I really do appreciate that. Again, I know times are tough, and I know the football season is over, so it's kind of people have moved on. But if if you have any interest, if you're still listening, if you appreciate the podcast, I'd love any and all support that you could possibly give. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can donate as little as a dollar a month to help support the show. And as I've said, if everybody listening donated a dollar a month, we're getting into the, you know, having a conversation with the wife category. I don't think she would let me quit my job, but we're in that realm. Not that I want to for any coworkers listening. I would never leave you guys. I love my job. I want to be there for the rest of my life. I want to die right in my chair at 97 years old, just, just grinding. I hope I never leave that job now that we've cleared that up. <laughs> I'm going to die in my chair at 97 sending Nathaniel TikToks. Um... On my lunch break, relax. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a big audience, and I really appreciate all the support of you guys being here. Um, I do have ads on the show, as you might have noticed. A lot of the ones where I read it are not there. Those are the ones that um, those are the ones that kind of make a difference. The ones that kind of pop up, like Starbucks or whatever, those come from our host, and they're I mean, it's it's massively, significantly less than you would expect. So it's nice, but it, it I you know. Again, any and all support would be greatly appreciated. There are other options, Venmo, et cetera, et cetera, if you uh, are so inclined to help out. And thank you very much to those of you who have given, are giving. I really do appreciate that very much. Again, I know it's the off season, and you guys are sticking around, and that's fantastic. And again, one of the best ways you can help support the podcast is just letting people know. Uh, spread the word, and uh, the more we can grow this show, the less less reliant I am on your $1.00. If that makes sense. If you if you can't give a dollar, and I understand that, find someone who can. <laughs> Rich Uncle Frank, who likes the Packers, be like, hey, Uncle Frank, why why, why don't you why don't you turn off the Ferrari real quick? I, I gotta talk to you. This is serious. Get out of the car and open the garage because this is freaking me out a little bit. Don't know why the the car's running. In fact, I'm getting a little lightheaded. Can we go in the house, please? And just just talk about it. You know, hey, Rich Uncle Frank, which is probably what you call him. Great podcast. You should check it out possibly if anything were to happen to you 
maybe throw the guy in your will. I, you know, I whatever. There's a million options. It doesn't have to be that. It could be that. I mean, I guess if you want to leave me a house, fine. Whatever. That's between me and Frank. Don't worry about that. You just tell him about the podcast. We'll negotiate and figure out where to go from 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 there. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll be right back with some uh, fun and interesting little tidbits. Talk to you in a bit. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So, um, for some reason, the uh, Shiley Woodley thing has popped up again. Apparently, she confirmed it, and now we're acting like we never knew that to begin with, uh, that they're engaged. And um, I haven't seen a whole lot of negative things, but I do see a lot of people preemptively being angry about things that I haven't seen yet. In, in other words, don't you dare say anything negative about Shailene. How dare you? It's not her fault if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well. Jeez, people need to relax. I tell you what, if I want to say a joke, I'm going to say a joke. If you don't like it, pound sand, because I'm going to say whatever I want to say, deal with it. Now, with that being said, I decided to put this thing to bed, all right? It's a funny joke. It's kind of fun. But I said, all right, let's 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 just look at it. How good is Aaron Rodgers when he's in a relationship compared to when he's not? And I have no, for all I know, he's been in a relationship every second of every day with a different person since he's been a quarterback here. But I did, I actually, believe it or not, I did the research, found out people that he was dating. Turns out there were several other people. I also found out that a lot of these relationships went on for much longer than I thought. And I put together a list of grades based on the relationship. And I want to give you that information now. And for all the, all the, all the, my goodness, hit me with a flipping hammer. Don't, don't do that. (laughs) There's going to be some crazy guy like the, you know. Guy that shot Reagan to impress a movie star, like some super fan's gonna come up and be like, "I got a hammer, bro! I got you, man!" And then, then you never hear from me again. But for those of you that are the type that get very angry about it, I've got some ammunition for you because it's officially not true that Aaron Rodgers sucks when he's dating somebody, according to my very detailed research. Does that mean I'm not gonna tell a joke about it once again? No, it doesn't. In fact, the fact that people get so mad about it probably means I'm going to keep making jokes about it because people need to relax. But I've broken it down. We've got um, his grades with 
not dating anybody, which would be 28, uh, 2008, 9, 10, 12, and 13. Again, very unlikely that he wasn't dating anyone in these periods, but we're just basing it on what we know. Obviously, we've got Shailene Woodley in 2020. We found out they were dating um, during the season. We've got Danica. Uh, apparently, that was from 2017 through 2019. We've got Olivia Munn. That was 2014 through 2016. We've got somebody by the name of Rohrbach. Apparently, that was early 2017, didn't last very long. So there was Rohrbach at the beginning of 2017 and then Patrick at the end of 2017. There was a lady by the name of Zor, S-Z-O-H-R. I'll be completely honest, I know one of these people, and that was Danica Danica Patrick. So no idea who Olivia Munn or Shailene Woodley are. But uh, the Zor lady was 2011. Apparently, there was a little bit of a flare-up in 2014, so there was overlap between Zor and Munn. Um, And that's it. Again, that's all that I know about. Starting at the bottom is Danica Patrick. Now, if you want to keep the narrative that dating somebody is not great for Aaron Rodgers, maybe what we need to focus on is dating the right people, right? I mean, it's probably best to just let it all go, but if you want to hang on to it because it's funny, Danica was was the problem. In the three years that um, Aaron Rodgers supposedly was with Danica, and to be fair, one of those years was 2017 in which he got hurt, so if we don't count that, then it goes up a bit, but it's still less than the next lowest. 2017, his grade was a 79. 2018, it was an 89. And then 2019 was an 83, which obviously was not a very good year. And it's the year that we mostly blame Danica Patrick for. On average, if we get rid of 2017, it's still an 86.3, which is not great for a quarterback that is a 90. He's just a 90. He's great. He's elite, right? The next lowest, though, unless we consider Rohrbach, but again, Rohrbach, I think, was before the season started, and it was 2017, the year he got hurt. So that we kind of just throw that out. The next lowest is actually not dating anyone. The stretch from 2008, 9, 10, 12, and 13 averages as an 86.4, which is basically the same as Danica Patrick in 2018, 2019. If we just round up 86.35, we're at 86.4. From there, you've got Olivia Munn. Again, we kind of blame her as well, but it was technically higher than all those other years because I think we tend to blame her for 2015, not realizing that they were together in 2014 and 2016, which which were actually very, very good years for Aaron Rodgers. 2014 was, I think, his his best year ever outside of 2020 when he was with Shailene Woodley. 2016 was also a fantastic year, 91.4 overall grade. So averages out with that one bad year in 2015 at an 86.7, 86.8, whatever. After that, you go all the way up to that Zorro lady, Zorro lady, 2011, obviously elite year, 93, and 2014, apparently they got back together, which was another fantastic year. I mean, you talk about two of his best years ever, 2011, 2014. Again, maybe if he finds... So so you've got... Again, if we want to keep riding this out, we're just changing the theory a little bit. It's probably going to keep people upset, but that's fine. I'm good with that. He's talked about getting rid of sort of... I don't know. Even I'm feeling a little uncomfortable talking about that. You know, he, he mentioned how uh, he got rid of some negative things in his life and is much more positive or, or whatever. Maybe it's it's who's in your life more so than if someone's in your life. Because, again, when he's not dating someone, it's been kind of mediocre. He had one year in five where he was in the 90s, and that was in 2010. With Zor, twice in the 90s. In fact, both were 93. With Munn, twice out of three years, he was in the 90s. With Shailene Woodley, best year he's ever had. And he married that one. So, (laughs) new theory. 
please put a ring on this one. That's the new theory. She is responsible for the 95.1. How's that? Flipped it on you. Now what are you going to do? Yes, I actually did the homework on his girlfriends. So there you go. Um, Why should Aaron Rodgers get an extension? Because we're going to assume that this marriage is going to work out. At least lock her into a three-year commitment because that's how long Aaron Rodgers is supposedly going to be around. And we'll negotiate an extension after that. But there you go. That is my uh, super scientific research on Aaron Rodgers and relationships. As long as he's got a good person in his life, and I would also accept if things don't work out with Woodley, please very quickly run to the Zorro lady, see what she's up to, immediately get engaged. It's just, just throwing it out there. But yeah, I mean, according to this, he has not, not been in a relationship since 2013. And again, he probably was. But that was the first time we heard any kind of rumors. I mean, any rumors that I'm willing to delve into anyways. In a similar vein, um, I had Packers Superfan, uh, which on Twitter is at Packer underscore Super, had uh, quote tweeted me in something from I'm Todd, Rashad Bateman, wide receiver one, whatever. He did a little bit of research, and this is what he found. There have been 17 wide receivers drafted in the first or second round since 2015 under six foot. Not one of them has had a top 24 season to this point. Brandon Ayuk is the only one that looks to be a sure bet. Ayuk measured 5'11 and 7 eighths. Here's the full list. So when I first heard that, I had the same reaction that uh, Packers superfan had, and that is that's interesting, right? And you start immediately thinking, well, the Packers have been looking more toward bigger wide receivers. In fact, a lot of the smaller guys that I like, like K.J. Hamler, seem to be falling, and so maybe this is just a trend. But the one thing that stood out to me was the way that this is worded, and it kind of brought me back to what I said about, uh, uh, what's his name? Not Daniil Hunter, the other guy. Yannick Ngakwe. When Yannick Ngakwe went to Minnesota, the point was everybody thought Yannick Ngakwe was good. Remember that whole thing? And so they would, they would, send out this weird these tweets would be so weird and they would be so twisted and convoluted to make things seem like they're better than they were and it's like why would you word it that way and the reason is there's no other way to word it to make him sound like a good football player if you just use a metric that makes sense and so there's a couple things here in this tweet that immediately made me think what these are unnecessary qualifiers it says there have been 17 wide receivers drafted in the first or second round why are we limiting it to the first or second round well, because those are the best ones. Well, then why don't you just expand it out? If we assume third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh wide round wide receivers are bad, then what's the harm in just including them? Probably because you've got guys like Tyreek Hill. Probably because you have guys in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round that are going to destroy that narrative. And even if that is... The point is, it's it's just it's an unnecessary thing. If we're asking the question, are short wide receivers not useful in the 2021 season? We don't need the first or second round qualifier. He also goes on to say since 2015, which is an unnecessary qualifier. If you were drafted in 2012 and are still killing it at 5'10", it still kind of destroys the narrative. Because if you're not useful, you're not useful. It doesn't matter when you're... It's not because you're from a different era that kids these days that are young just don't know how to play. I mean, that's... I don't think that's the case that's being made. He also goes on to say not one of them has had a top 24 season. That right there should tell you everything you need to know. That is a super random number that makes no sense. And it tells you flat out that if you just go to 25, there's somebody sitting right there. So there's so many unnecessary qualifiers in here to try to to try to drive home a certain point that it just doesn't make sense. So I said, okay, let's tear this all apart. Let's just back up and look at this question in a way that makes sense. What is the question we're trying to ask? How much relevance is there to height? Um... 
period, right? I don't care when you were drafted. I don't care what year you were drafted. How good are football players based on height? And so I kind of just went from that standpoint and looked at it from there. Here's a couple things that I found. The first thing I did is I looked at the top 50 wide receivers based on the their 2020 grades having played X amount of snaps. Based on that, and, and I broke it down under six foot, I've got six foot one or six foot, six foot one, and six foot two. I called basically average, average height. Six foot two is a little bit tall, but not really for NFL height. Anything six three and above is tall. So six three and above is tall. Under six foot is short. Six foot, six foot one, and six foot two is average. Twenty wide receivers out of fifty were average. Sixteen were under six foot. Fourteen were over or six three and over. There really isn't a big discrepancy. And the fact of the matter is, there were more under six foot guys and there are over six two guys the average is seven seventy two point eight inches which is just under six feet tall sorry just over i was gonna say i'm pretty sure 72 is six foot i typed that wrong so it's under six one so the average top 50 wide receiver is about six foot six foot one somewhere in there the average of the top 10 is uh 73.4 inches which is six foot one and a half so i i you know if I were to break this down in a way that that makes sense to me, I don't really see anything that says short wide receivers are bad wide receivers. If anything, kind of average wide receivers make the most sense. Six foot, six foot one is what most of the the best receivers uh, tend to be, but not by a massive margin. In fact, Antonio Brown at five foot ten. Um, again, I don't know where he got these metrics oh, because he said since 2015. Again, this is why unnecessary qualifiers are stupid because it it rules out Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was, I don't have the numbers here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11th. So 5 foot 10, Antonio Brown was the 11th best wide receiver in, in this past year. So again, it's just, it, it, it just makes me wonder, what are you doing? What do you, why are you trying so hard to prove a point that, that isn't a thing? And that really annoys me. It, it's, it's, I hate to bring it out into other realms, but it annoys me when people don't care about what's real, they care about a narrative. That's I just why don't you just care about what's true and what's real? I believe that tall wide receivers are, you know, the wave of the future. I believe that short wide receivers just don't make it anymore. And so I'm going to keep twisting the data until it comes out right. And then I'm going to believe that I'm right. And I'm going to tell everybody that that my theory that I thought was true is true. Why are you doing that? I just I, I can't I can't wrap my head around that way of thinking. And you see it 24 hours a day, especially in the political realm. People will do anything and everything they can to twist reality until what they believe is true is true, rather than just looking at the information saying this seems true, or looking at the information and saying, I don't know that that's true. Um, how dare you? We're being told it's true, so obviously it's true. Yeah, but I mean, I'm looking at it. Doesn't appear to be true. Why? Why do that? I don't. It's same with the Yannick thing. Like, why don't you just say what's true? The guy's not good anymore. But again, that, that, that works to my benefit. People say crazy stuff. And you can choose to listen to it or not, or you can just come here, and I'm just going to tell you what it is. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm misinterpreting things, but I'm not going to do that. I have no interest in twisting things to prove a point that I feel like should be true. I, I just, I can never understand why somebody would do that. This is the way the world should be. Okay, what does that have to do with anything? That's a useless way to think. That's not what it is. I mean, we're talking about absolute things, right? We're not talking about things that we can change, you know. I'm an alcoholic, but uh, it's useless to think that it should be something else because that's not what it is. No, I mean, you can change that. But there are certain things that just are. There's information that's right here, and you're deliberately twisting it because you want something else to be true for some random reason. I just, 
it's so weird to me. I don't know. I don't understand. And somebody put a lot of work into that. I mean, I, I hate to just dump on the guy. I just, I'm just confused. Can somebody enlighten me as to why? I mean, if, if your brain works that way, can you please reach out to me and explain to me how your brain works? I'm just, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm beyond fascinated that somebody would spend that much time twisting reality to try to prove a point that isn't true. And you have to know it's not true because you keep seeing things that conflict with it. And rather than your brain saying, oh, nope, theory's wrong, you just find a way to dismiss that so that you're, you're right. What is the point of this? What have you accomplished? There are more good short wide receivers than tall wide receivers and almost as many short wide receivers as average height wide receivers, 16 compared to 20. So what are we talking about? Now, if you have different information, that's fine. I, I do, again, I thought it was interesting because you do tend to see teams moving in the taller wide receiver direction. You do hear the Packers talk about liking and wanting the bigger wide receivers, the big slot, the big, big everything. Similar to how you see defenses move more toward bigger defensive linemen, including the edge rushers, right? You're seeing less, seemingly less production from the smaller speed bend guys and, and more of a move toward the 260, 270-pound um, edge rushers the power guys that can set an edge as well as just bull rush you straight back into the quarterback. Now that's not data. That's just, that's a seeming trend. Again, if you, if you want to find data, go find data. If you can't find data, fine. Then talk to a coach, talk to a scout, talk to somebody to say, why are we moving in this direction? They probably have an answer for you. It's, it's to counteract something that's going on in the NFL, but this exercise was useless. The data isn't there. And again, all the, whenever you see somebody tweet something that has unnecessary qualifiers, in other words, we got to figure out what is the question we're asking that matters. And then do these qualifiers, first or second round, 2015, do those have any impact? Should those be in there to help us get a clearer or a more distorted picture? If they're trying to distort the picture, they're lying to you. Why are you trying to distort the picture? We should be trying to get it in focus, in 4K, as the, the kids say and whatnot. That should be the goal, though. We want to put this in, in as clear a focus as possible. We want to get rid of all these, these things that blur the picture. Don't add them. Don't add distortion. That's, that's you lying. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I can't get off it because it just blows my mind. And again, I'm more just confused than anything. Like, what, what is the motivation? I'm trying to understand. Like, it just, it just, if, if you just twist things a certain way, then you find it an interesting picture? Like, okay, yeah, I guess. It doesn't tell me anything, nothing uh, that's important. Like, did you know if you line up, um, like, I, I could probably twist the information to a point where you only see wide receivers with the first name starting in A through D or, or A through, you know, the first 16 letters of the alphabet to try to convince you that, you know, you, you don't want to draft anybody, you know, after P, you know, Devante, right? Michael Thomas. Michael's a good wide receiver name. Q, R, S, eh, Sean, no, sorry, not doing it. R, like Rondale Moore, sorry, nope, not doing it. Look at the data. If I had more time now, I would do that, but I, I, I don't, and I, I just, again, you, you can do that if you feel like it. It's just, why? Why put in that much time to, to draw something that you, like, as I'm telling you this, I know it's fake, right? <laughs> so, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I have no, no answers for why why that would be an interesting exercise. And I'm not mad at, at Mr. Superfan for tagging me in that. Again, my first reaction was this is actually really interesting and I want to kind of dig into it because this this could answer a question. Why are we moving to bigger wide receivers? And it, uh, there's obvious benefits to it, but it's, it's an interesting thing. But I wanted to dig into this information. And again, as soon as I started reading it, I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't, 
really makes sense to me. And, and again, strip all of it away, look at the information. There's nothing here. If, if you really want to kind of draw some kind of a connection between how good a wide receiver is going to be and their height, you're looking for a guy that's about six foot to six one, somewhere in that range. We'll say six foot to six two, right? Because six one and a half, I think we're the average for the top 10. So right in that average spectrum. If you had to go in another direction, look for a short guy. And the last thing you should want to do is find someone 6'3 or taller. Again, if we're going to draw some kind of line here, because obviously there's good tall wide receivers, but if we're going to base it on the numbers, tall is is last in line. But really all that does is brings us right back to the point of just find good wide receivers. If he's 5'10 or 6'5, if he's a good wide receiver, he's a good wide receiver. But he has to be a good wide receiver. And as I was thinking about it, I, I kind of thought it kind of makes sense for being average. Because I think, you know, when you are small, you obviously have have disadvantages, um, height <laughs> being the biggest one. But I also think when you're really tall, it generally, and, and it doesn't have to be the case for everybody, but the taller you are, the harder it is to kind of move. That's why the shorter guys are really good at being very elusive, very shifty. They can get in and out of their breaks real quick. I think route running and things becomes a lot harder when you're six foot five. And so I, 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 if, if I had to guess, and again, this isn't data, this is just me kind of thinking through why is average so prominent? Being six foot, six foot one is kind of that middle ground where you, you have the height threshold. I mean, you've seen Devonte go up and get passes. He doesn't have a problem. He can get up. But he also isn't so tall that he's lanky and, and can't really or struggles to get in and out of his break. He's obviously extremely shifty. At six foot five, could he do that? I don't know. Maybe he could, maybe he couldn't. But I think maybe it's just kind of a good blend of the two. You know, you, height isn't a restriction, and and height isn't a restriction from the other end of the spectrum. Now, again, if you can fight like Jalen Rager could jump out of a stadium. He's a shorter guy. Height isn't going to be a problem if you're talking about going up and getting a pass because the guy can jump, you know, 75 feet in the air. And you've got other tall guys that just have got great feet. You know, Julio Jones is a tall guy. Michael Thomas is 6'3". Certain guys that are taller can can move their feet, but I, I, it seems as though, if I had to guess, that you know, right in that six foot six foot one is kind of the sweet spot for adequate height and um, you know not being a hindrance of being kind of lanky. But anyways, there we are. Um, again, I apologize for I don't want to say wasting your time because I still think it was a good discussion in terms of the cap and and the thought process behind it. But um, getting that wrong again, I shouldn't be doing stupid things like that putting that much time into it and then having somebody message you and say uh it's not eight dude it's 11 just makes me so angry i I mean i i seriously was like i need to just do a podcast to to clarify that because it just it was bothering me all day watch somebody say no it's you got it wrong it was eight whatever it is what it is we've covered all our bases whatever the number is we've we've talked about it anyways with that i'm going to leave you there i got to get going you folks have yourselves a amazing thursday uh, weather seemingly across the country is getting much better, so please enjoy it. I'm already noticing the uh, the uptick in my mood, which I also started eating a little bit better, which it's weird. As I get older, I'm noticing things like that more. I think it always used to bother me when I was younger. I was just too stupid to notice it. But it's like, man, you start eating wrong, and it's negative 30, which compounds the, the eating not great, and just just hard to pull myself out of a bad mood. Tired all the time, grumpy all the time. All of a sudden, it's 40 degrees, fuel in the body right. Mmm. Feeling good. Eating good in the neighborhood. What is that from? What is that? KFC or something? Popeyes, I think. I was way off. It's Applebee's. I know Love That Chicken from Popeyes is their thing, but I thought they had two things. I don't know. You know what was surprising about Applebee's? Their cheeseburgers are amazing. I love Applebee's cheeseburgers. 
My grandma used to go pick up Applebee's once in a while because it was by the house and just get a burger from there. It's so good. It's crazy. Also, speaking of cheeseburgers, I think I've mentioned this before, but if you're in the Milwaukee area and have not had a Solly's cheeseburger, you got to do it. The only reason I bring that back up is, um, you know, Barstool has, has got that thing where they're saving small businesses. I recently found that a Solly's was on that list, which makes me sad to think that they almost went out of business, but it's really exciting to see that uh, Portnoy uh, jumped in to intervene and give them some money to, to keep them afloat because that is a... That is a fantastic little establishment, man. Go in there, get a butter burger, and you got to get a shake or a malt or whatever it is. It is the best. Oh, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, you're going to, you are you might die of a heart attack walking to your car, but I promise you it's worth it. And it's like a once a year thing because you're going to feel disgusting because the amount of butter they put, I mean, when you hear about butter burger, you, you go to Culver's and get a butter burger. It's like, I don't know where there's butter on this. What, did you butter the bread? I have no idea. What, what are you talking about butter? There's no mistaking where the butter is. For a Sally's cheeseburger. I shouldn't do My number one goal in life was to have Culver sponsor the show, and I just threw him under the bus. Culver's burgers are delicious. Don't Please don't tell Mr. Jonathan Culver or whatever his name is that I said that. That is, that is by the way, like the apex. If Culver's wanted to sponsor the show, that I'm just, I'm the happiest person on planet Earth. I would love to have a Wisconsin-based company. It doesn't have to be Culver's. It could be Cops. Cops would be awesome. I would say Sally's, but <laughs> apparently they're, they're in a bit of financial trouble. Maybe maybe throw me some of that Portnoy money. But anyways, yeah, you, you got to go check it out. I mean, literally, it's like a it's like a pat of butter on, on the burger. I mean, there's so much butter, it doesn't exactly all melt. I'll say that. But uh, you get one of those those shakes, and it's one of those things where, you know, it's in like the, the metal thing that they mix it in. They don't bother to pour it in a cup. They give you the metal thing and a cup, and it's like, there you go, there's your shake. Oh, oh. Use the, use the pool on the plate as like a dipping sauce. <laughs> Just, I'm telling you, man, I mean, you can feel the clogging of the arteries, but it's worth it. You got to do it. So go check them out if you're in the Milwaukee area or even visiting. It's a tiny little place, but it's it's worth it. Anyways, I don't know how we got there, but you folks have yourselves a great day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.